Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the number one issue or problem for most people with their personal finances and how to solve it. Before we get there, a rare thing has occurred. Today is, we're recording this on the day of the national championship for football, and Ryan is rooting for my Huskies. Go dogs. <laughs> you know, the Pac-12 always gets hated on by all of the, the you know, the ESPN, the, the talking heads, and you're right. I normally do not root for your Huskies, and I got to go for them. Even though the Pac-12 won't really exist next year, I guess technically they will, but not in the same capacity that they exist today. But yes, go dogs. Yeah, and like what happened to WSU and Oregon State is just an absolute travesty. Um, I really hope that they wind up with all the assets of the Pac-12 and that they're able to use that to maintain some semblance of uh, relevance for the athletic programs, not just for football, but for all the other programs as well. It, it's really sad what's what's going on from a – I feel like the – the student athletes are getting left behind in a, a money grab here. Yeah. Um, could not agree more with, with that statement. So um, without further ado here, Alex, um, I know you will be drinking a beverage. Um, I will not be drinking a beverage. Uh, I am in the, uh, the program. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. It's called 75 hard. Uh, Andy Frisella has put it out there where, and one of the program, one of the pieces of the program is no alcohol. Uh, for a period of time. So I will not be drinking since I'm participating in that. However, what Alex is drinking is one of my favorites. This is the New Belgian Triple. Um, it is It clocks in at uh, 8.5%. It's a, a Belgian-style uh, ale. Uh, it only has 43 IBUs, so it's a, a bit different than some of the stuff that we normally drink. Uh, I absolutely love this beer. Um, this is just a great beer. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Belgian. I'm I'm going to rate it because I've had that plenty of times. I'm giving that a nine out of ten bottle caps. Yeah, it's this is a ten out of ten for me. Uh, love the style, um, like Belgian style beers. Love Belgians uh, and new new Belgian does a good job with this Belgian triple. Yep, absolutely. So try them out if you haven't had uh, the triple. Uh, it is a, in Alex on my book, it's one you should, it's a must try. So check them out. So, so let's get into today's episode here, Alex. Um, you know, we, we put the title out there already, right? The, the number one problem that most people have inside of their personal finances, and it's really comes down to cash flow is yes. the problem. And what we mean by cash flow is there's money coming in the door, and frankly, we don't know where it's going. Like <laughs> which in its sounds, simplest form, that's which what sounds it is. crazy, and yet when you talk to when you talk to most financial planners, they don't necessarily like, they've got a better idea, but I would argue that they still don't know where their cash flow is going. Yep, and the more income you make, the more cash flow, the more the money that's coming into the household, the harder it is actually. Actually, the lesser income you make, the easier it is because there's less dollars to track. And from a lifestyle perspective, you only, well, I mean, for the most part, you only have uh, so much that is uh, within a, a, an affordability aspect. Uh, whereas when you have a higher income, uh, 
you don't necessarily monitor it to the same degree uh, that you do. Like in college, most of us monitored our cash flow really well, right? We're like the paycheck came in the door. We knew exactly how much we had to go out and, you know, spend on beer, spend on rent, spend on um, food for that month. And it was month to month. And that's how most of us lived. As you get older, we lose that tracking. Well, and again, the tighter it is, the more important it is to track every single penny. Um, and so like when you get to the point where you, you're dealing with six figure incomes or seven figure incomes, um, it, it's, it is easier to survive not having a clue as to where the dollars are going. Yeah. It's kind of built into the way that most of us have our cash flow system set up. So let's talk about the cash flow system here, Alex, which I think a lot of us, you know, we, we default to what maybe what America kind of dictates towards us. Um, and we're going to talk about what that really looks like. And, you know, the typical cash flow management is our, our income is right. And we've spoken about this almost every episode, probably knowing <laughs> you and I, you know, our greatest financial resource is our income. Right. Okay. That's our energy source. And the most cash flow managements, we plug in our checking account into our resource, our income. And so our income comes directly into our checking account. And then we go to lifestyle, which we start to spend and enjoy life. And then maybe what's left over at the end of the month, we save. And it's really a question mark at the end of the month. Like maybe I've got some, maybe I don't. And like, how do we know that this occurs? Well, we know that this occurs simply by looking at what is the most successful savings vehicle in the United States. Mm, and yep. the answer is it's the 401k. Yep. Why is it the most successful uh, savings vehicle? Well, there's the money really never kind of enters your account to begin with. <laughs> yeah. There's two reasons. One, it never enters your account. And two, there's a massive penalty or fees or big hoops to jump through in order to get the money. Yep. And so it is, you never see it and it's hard to access. Exactly. Right. So our lifestyle is plugged directly into the income and we spend by default and we save by decision. Well, and like it's not stop. I just want to pause real quick. I think that's, uh, I, that just hit me again. I know I've said this probably a couple of times now in cl different client meetings, but really think about that. We spend by default. We save by decision. Mm-hmm. So you have to make active choices to save. And if we don't make those active choices, guess what happens to the money? Gone. Well, Default. And how many hundreds of conversations have we had where we've asked clients what their savings account is for? And inevitably, the answer is, oh, I'm saving up to buy a car or to go on vacation or to do X. That's not a savings account. It's a save up to spend account. <laughs> it, it's a future spending account. <laughs> yeah. Like people like they're they're They are act like the money has already been spent before they get to whatever the number is. Yeah. And just so we're clear, Alex and I have been down this road ourselves. Like this is not us pointing the fingers, right? And obviously we do, you know, we, we do live by what we say now, 
and we coach to this as well, but we've been in those shoes. So we get it. This is not something that is natural to human beings. This is something, you know, just like I've already said, you have to decide to go to this route. Right. So to interrupt that spending circuit, Alex and I, and we've had a a different episode on this as well. Um, We just wanted to bring this up because, I mean, it really is like if there's one thing that I think really puts most people over the edge in terms of how do they go from living paycheck to paycheck to living life with abundance and also building wealth. And it's around interrupting that spending circuit, that energy resource. And the way we interrupt it is by putting in a wealth building account. And what that wealth building account does is by decision, that amount, that wealth building account captures how much money we want to capture. Meaning if we have $10,000 of income per month, we tell the wealth, all of that money goes into the wealth building account. And let's just say we want to spend 8,000 of it. We tell the wealth building account to kick out 8,000 to the checking account which means it automatically saves the $2,000 a month that we want. And then you go into your default like you're already used to. Yeah. And what do we do with the money that we're saving in this wealth building account? This is where, shocker by the name, we go to build wealth. <laughs> right? So allocations, where should we be putting money? Some amount of money in cash, some amount of money investments in retirement accounts, maybe in real estate, maybe in businesses. But guess what? We have all of that access and availability to purchase these different assets because we built a cash flow management system to capture the money. When if you're having a hard time paying for like one-time expenses, whether that is, you know, your annual trips that you take or paying for your real estate taxes if you don't have that paid through escrow or like having enough dollars to be able to pay for like car repairs or home repairs or home projects or whatever it is, this then gives you a way to build up and save towards those expenses where it is done somewhat out of sight, out of mind, and the dollars are there. Now, everybody has a little bit different structure in terms of like how much they should build up and keep in cash in their reserve or their reservoir or however you want to title it. Um, But that is designed to be there in the event that you need it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And just to show like the true power of this, because some people are are probably hearing like, okay, Ryan, I hear what you're saying. That makes sense. I'm not sure that the true power of this account is coming across. So what we want to do is talk about saving rates and, and really what this does over long periods of time. Okay, so the example I'm going to give here is, so if we have income that's coming in the door, and let's just say that income on average goes up 4% every year, right? Now, that's on average, right? And we all know that some some years we might get a 1% or maybe no pay raise, and other years we might have a 10% or maybe even a bigger 20% jump in income. But we're using an average increase of about 4%. And in the lines that we're showing here is, let's just say we also increase our expenses. Yeah, for those folks that are amount. for those folks that are just listening to the the podcast, um, we have added a YouTube channel, um, and there's a video that goes along with this. So check the show notes, um, and also go over and check it out on uh, on YouTube. 
Yeah, so if our income goes up by 4% every year and we just keep pace with that, so our lifestyle also goes up by 4% every year, then our expenses can possibly be constrained if we manage how much our expenses go up every year. Okay, let me tell you what I mean by that is. If we have a 2.5% savings rate, so we're saving 2.5% every year. And let's just say we're using a, a an average rate of return of 5%. Look, we're not here to argue because it's same, same, no matter what rate of return we use. But 2.5% savings rate and a 5% rate of return, if we have a $200,000 income, 2.5% of $200,000 is $5,000, which means we're spending $195,000 every year. And so essentially, if our income coming in the door is raising by 4%, and our, our expenses are also going up by 4%. We're always saving 2.5%. That doesn't change any year. And what you're left with is, in a period of time, is one well, 30-year period of time specifically, you're left with $566,000. That's what the 2.5% of savings per year at a 5% rate of return will get you. $566,000 in a 30-year period. Now, here's the wow factor. If you constrained your expenses by just 1%. So think about that for a second. Our income's going up by 4% every year. And rather than our expenses going up by 4% every year, our expenses go up by 3% every year. So there's a 1% difference between the two. So this is still allowing for your income or your expenses and your lifestyle to increase over time. We're just trying to put a cap on it so that not every dollar uh, that comes in the door gets spent. And so we're, we're saving uh, a little bit more every year. Exactly. So now if we're investing that same money and we're getting that same 5% return over that 30 year period of time, now our future wealth in 30 years by just a 1% difference is now at $3.2 million. Approximately six times the amount of saving that you were able to do before. Like in year 30, you're probably saving, pushing like 30% of savings. And it's all because of a 1% like a 1% difference in how much our income went up versus what our lifestyle went up by. Like let that sink in. And the way we do that, because I don't know about you, Alex, like until we put this type of system in our own personal cash flow management system, did we really know how much income truly came in the door, like hit our checking account in any given year and when it went up by year by year and what the difference was? I mean, the easy answer for us is no, just based on how complex it is, like in how many different, like various different places we get paid from. Well, and I think for most Americans, that's also true. I don't think it's any different for them. Entirely so fair. imagine having a wealth building account where everything comes into the one account and you specifically have, you've designated how much money of that stays in that account. So back to my example of 10 grand a month comes in the door, it all goes into the wealth building account. You tell the wealth building account to kick out eight per month so that you can live your life. Now you get to capture $2,000 every month for 12 months. Your income goes up by 4% next year. Okay. You tell the system, okay, I want to take out 3% more and the wealthy account automatically captures that 1% difference. 
And now so you now can you- literally see year by year. It's 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 huge. This isn't like peanuts. This is huge. But it happens incrementally, and that is the beauty of it. Is that as Americans, we're not good at making big changes. Like ninety percent of people make a New Year's uh, uh, that make a New Year's resolution fail, and it's something like sixty percent fail within a month. And it and like it's one of those things where by making the change incremental and small and making it systematic so that it happens automatically. Now all of our savings becomes the same way that our 401k is saved. The same way that anything that we do that's systematic is saved is that it happens automatically. And does this mean that we uh, are giving up control? Absolutely not. We still have control over it. Just like we still have control over our 401k. And in fact, we actually have more control here because unlike a 401k, we can still access the funds. Yeah. No, it, it's again, rather living your financial life by default, you're actually making purposeful decisions, which is what we all actually want. But I think we all aren't necessarily taught how to actually build a true cash flow management system that can do that for you automatically, the way that we just described. Right. Which takes us to the question of the day, Mr. Collins. Our question today is what tools and how is it that you're managing your cash flow? So head over to beerandmoney.net and at the top of the page is a contact us to either answer that question or if you have questions or you're wanting to set up your own wealth building account, uh, you can reach out to us and we can give you some more details around that. Look, we we started this podcast and now the YouTube channel. Uh, to to be a resource for families to help you build the the, the financial status or well not status financial wealth that you want, so that you can spend the time with your family, be present with your family, and have the stress of money taken away. We hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins, cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon, 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. 
Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2024-167-662. Expiration January 2026.